church like you put on your Sunday best even if you don't you know we're not a church where you have to get all dressed up to show up but we, we do put on those masks and we say man I got it all together but deep down you don't have it all together you have doubts and fears and you have habits and hang-ups and struggles and you bring them into church and instead of confessing them one to another and praying for one another we hide them and we hope nobody notices which is the antithesis of what church is really supposed to be Today's culture isn't very transparent. Sure, people feel the freedom to share all their opinions, but it's not often that they reveal their brokenness. And you find this in the church as well. People wear the mask of having it all together when their worlds are crumbling around them. Today, Pastor Daniel urged you to take off your mask. When you're honest about your struggles and failures, others can pray for you and give you the help and support you need. Now here's Pastor Daniel in James chapter 5 as he continues his message, Three Important Reminders. So ultimately God heals everybody. But the question, see right it says does God heal everybody? Everyone's always thinking in the here and now. And you know what the answer to that is? Not always. Because it's not always God's will that everyone be healed. And I know that that's the case because Everybody except Jesus dies at some point in this journey. Jesus died, he rose again. But nobody has enough faith to stay alive forever. Even Methuselah, who according to the Bible lived the longest, Methuselah died too. And really in God's economy, Methuselah died as a young person because he was only about a thousand years old and he was created to live for eternity. So in the light of eternity, a thousand young whippersnapper. So really what you have is that no matter how much faith you have, sometimes God does not choose to heal various physical ailments. It is in God's prerogative to not heal certain ailments. Now, does God heal ailments sometimes? Absolutely. Now the question becomes, well, how will we know? Well, you pray in faith, and if God heals you supernaturally, then you praise God. And if God doesn't heal you supernaturally, you praise God. And if God chooses to use a doctor, you praise God. See, it's like, this this stuff is so simple, but people want to get all worked up about this. Like, there will be videos about me because I'm saying this stuff, but it's just biblical. Like, God has a purpose and plan in sometimes healing, sometimes not. It's like, you know, I had someone recently said to me, I was wearing a mask, and they said, Pastor Daniel, I mean, you're a pastor. You have strong faith. Why would you wear a mask? I'm like, bro, I believe in Jesus. I still wear a seatbelt in a car. Like, I have strong faith, but I'm not going to jump out of an airplane at 30,000 feet not wearing a parachute. No matter how strong your faith is, if you jump out of an airplane at 30,000 feet, you're going to bounce at the bottom, hopefully. No amount of faith is going to change that. If you, like a seatbelt and faith in Jesus is not the same thing. It's not. You can believe in Jesus with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind and still have physical ailments. 
And you can believe that he's going to heal you and he chooses not to heal you the way that you think he's going to. The key for the believer is not to figure out God's mode of working. The key for the believer is to pray the whole way and praise God no matter how it works out. And real biblical faith knows the difference. Too many of us in this name of the name of faith, the prayer of faith, we think that God is some sort of a vending machine where we're like, I believe in Jesus, I put in my prayer, I get my Snickers, that really satisfies. And we struggle when God chooses not to answer our prayers. But now think about this for a second. For those of you here who are parents, do you always give your kids everything that they ask for? Gosh, I hope not. Because there's things that kids want and there's things that parents are like. My little Annabelle recently, because our son Obadiah started driving, Annabelle's like, Dad, what's up? Can I drive? (laughs) Now there's a part of me that wanted to let her drive because Annabelle's like, she's so fun. She'd be like, you know, like, but like I realized if I let Annabelle drive, it's going to be an insane experience, but it's probably not going to end in the right spot where we want. So I said, you know, sweetie, when you get a little bit older, you're going to be able to do that. It's the same way. It's like if, if, if you got some crazy hot sauce and, you're, and you put a whole bunch of hot sauce on your food and, you're, and, and your little grandbaby comes over, I have a bite. No, 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 no. You don't want to burn your little mouth. See, there's a part of a parent wiser than your kids. You have to say no because you love them. So let me put it to you this way. What if the reason that God hasn't answered your prayers yet is because there's a whole other thing he's working on right now? Like, God's ultimate goal in answering the prayer of people is to make us more like Jesus. That's his ultimate goal. The end of the work of God is to make you like Jesus in the situations that you find yourself in. So what if the reason God has not healed that ailment of yours is because really what God wants is he wants you to build a relationship with him that only comes because you are continually asking for help. You're learning dependence right now. What if the reason God hasn't given you that thing that you want so bad that you're like, man, I know that God wants to do this. Maybe the reason God is delaying is because he knows that if he gives you that right now, your character will not be able to steward that gift. So the Lord is saying, I'm going to delay in giving the gift that I want to give you because you need to grow. And you are not ready. I remember when I first got saved and I, and I was waiting on the Lord for a spouse and God waited seven years until he brought my bride Lynn into my life. I remember I struggled. I'm like, Lord, where is my spouse? And I felt like the Lord said, Daniel, you are not ready for my daughter. That's when the Lord speaks to you that way, it's tough. But, it, but it's really he's saying, Daniel, I don't just want to give you a spouse. I actually want to bless my daughter through your life and you're not there right now. So now all of a sudden everything changes. It's, not, it's like, Lord, you know I love a spouse, but Lord, why don't you make me the kind of person that will bless your daughter? Change me. And what if what God is really interested in is not just giving us the things that we want physically, but God is interested in doing a true restoration and renovation of our lives spiritually? So should we pray for healing? Yes. Should we trust that God is the God who heals? Yes. Should we doubt that God could heal? No. Should we praise him and pray no matter what? Absolutely. Because God, I believe, wants to do a work. That's why earlier today during our worship, Pastor Mikey was leading us in laying hands on one another and praying for one another, praying for healing. And I want to encourage you, make your life a life of prayer. 
And so, you know, here at Crossroads, we have a, our prayer meeting, one of my favorite, literally, it's my favorite 20 minutes of my entire week at Crossroads, is our gathering as we pray together. Like all of you have been prayed for. When you put in a prayer request at Crossroads, those prayer requests go into our prayer team. Hundreds of people praying for those prayer requests. Our staff prays for it. Maybe you need to join that prayer team. Start praying for those things. Go to our prayer wall on our website. Start praying through it. In your community group, we want you to be people of prayer. When was the last time when you started praying specific prayers, you began writing those prayers down? You want to build your faith real quick? Keep a list of the things you're praying for. And then every time God does a work, write that down. I literally have journals that have prayer requests and the answers to those things, like like lists of them. But what happens is if we don't pray, we don't see what God is up to. And prayer is God's invitation for us into his life. God is a God who heals and he answers prayer. And it's beautiful, these verses. God wants to do a work. Now, notice what he says next, verse 16. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, verse 17, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, the second reminder is not only that we should pray for healing, but we have to remember that prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Now, he tells us a couple things about prayer in these verses that are important. Now, don't you feel like James is ending this letter, practical Christianity. It's all about prayer. Because our lives are too important and busy not to be people of prayer. But now he says, listen, prayer is powerful. Now, notice what he says. Verse 16 becomes really challenging right away. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, this is why as a church family, we are so committed to community groups. Because we believe that something powerful happens when people are together and people begin to share their lives. But what's amazing is, is I have seen more authenticity in 12-step meetings than I ever have in the Church of Jesus Christ. Because if you've ever been to a 12-step meeting, you realize that people are in there and it begins by acknowledging that they have issues, right? And what's amazing is, is for the people of God, we come to Jesus knowing that we are sinners in need of a savior, but along the way, we begin to put on these masks. We put on these masks that say, I have it all together. And we're unwilling to be honest about where our lives really are. But then James says, listen, the people of God, you should confess your sins to one another. That word confession in the Greek literally means to agree with God, to say the same thing as God. So you confess your sins and you confess and then they confess and then you pray for one another that you may be what? Healed. And and as as I'm studying this, as I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, we live in a day where people don't, they're not honest anymore. People in the church, like you put on your Sunday best, even if you don't, you know, we're not a church where you have to get all dressed up to show up, but we, we do put on those masks and we say, man, I got it all together, but deep down you don't have it all together. You have doubts and fears and you have habits and hangups and struggles and you bring them into church and instead of confessing them one to another and praying for one another, we hide them 
and we hope nobody notices, which is the antithesis of what church is really supposed to be. No, and that's why we believe that the community group, the small group is so essential because I rather, I mean, if we, if we did like a honest confession of prayer time, we would be here at Crossroads till the end of time, right? Because it's like, there's so much stuff. If we're honest, but within your community groups, you have an opportunity to have people who you can share. And, and we always say that Crossroads is not a place of judgment at all. Because the only perfect person at Crossroads is Jesus himself. All the rest of us, God issues. We're aware. That's why the people who walk the closest with Jesus for the longest, they're the most humble. Because they don't ever feel like, I got it together. Anytime someone's like, I got it together, you're like, yeah. No, you don't. You don't. The people who walk the closest with Jesus the longest are the most humble because they have the most data on how many issues they have. Now, I was thinking about this because... In our family table, when we have our family devotions, it's such a beautiful thing because we'll, we'll listen to the scriptures. We'll use the Crossroads mobile app and we'll, we'll listen to you know, either a psalm or we did a whole long series on Proverbs as a family. And then we'll do our praise reports, things that were great. We praise God for them. And then we do our confessions. Or as my little seven-year-old Annabelle says, we're fessing. We call that fessing in my house, right? Now, what's so funny is it's like me or my bride Lynn or the older kids will be like, oh yeah, you know, I really been struggling with this. But Annabelle, she gives like 87,000 fessings. She fesses about everything. Like, like she's got like, you know, and it's, and it's beautiful. She's like, you know, dad, I have a, fe- I have a fession to make. What do you, what's your fest, baby? Oh man, I, I, I took all the rest of the candy. I hid it in my room. I'm so sorry. Are you mad now? I'm like, sweet, I got my own stash. Don't worry about it. You know, like, I was, dad's always got his own stash. Don't worry. You know, and, and, but, but, it's like when you're young, you're not nervous that everyone's going to judge you. It's just real. But then you get older and what happens? You learn that I shouldn't say that stuff. I shouldn't be honest that I got a drinking problem. I shouldn't be honest that I'm attracted to someone at my work who's not my spouse. I shouldn't be honest that I'm really cheating on my taxes. I, I shouldn't be honest that I know I'm not supposed to, but I'm smoking weed every day or I'm eating an edible or whatever the thing is. You know, it's like we, we, we don't bring that stuff to church, but James says that in a place of grace where there's a culture of prayer, we share those things with one another and we pray for one another. And brothers and sisters, listen, Confession is powerful because you're agreeing with God that stuff is messed up and we're bringing it into the light and we're trusting that in the safety and the grace of the people of God, by dragging into the light with our brothers and sisters, God's gonna do a work. And all I could think about was, you know, I really believe that the reason the people of God are not more powerful in our witness is because we're too proud to be honest about who we are. And I think it's time that we surrender to Jesus in fresh ways. Listen, look around, go ahead. Everyone look around. Head on a swivel, go ahead. Everyone look around. If you're online, look at all the people. There's a big number on the screen. There's all these comments. Listen, I have a newsflash. Everyone here is jacked up. (laughs) And I am too. So many issues, doubts, fears, habits, Lies that we believe, lies that we walk out, sinful behaviors, sinful species in our heart, things that nobody sees, judgmentalism, pride, arrogance. Jesus is the great redeemer. 
And Jesus is desiring to do a transformational work in each one of us, but we gotta get real about it. We gotta be real about it. And what's amazing is, is it's so, this kind of thinking is so divergent from our culture that says, if you ever make a mistake, you're gonna be written off for life. That's what our culture says. One mistake 30 years ago, you're done forever. And Jesus is like, yeah, if we do that, I'm the only one left standing anyway. And don't miss, they tried to cancel Jesus, right? He's like, ah, I'm back, you know? <laughs> but it's an amazing thing how different the family of God is. And, and what's cool is then he says, the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous person avails much. I love that. That really, when we speak about our prayer lives, our prayer lives should be marked by a fervency. Would you say, hey, my prayer life is fervent? If you're, saying, if you're not saying that, no judgment. But you want to tell someone, listen, we pray that my prayer life will be fervent because it's not because God wants to do a work and then he uses Elijah as an example and and then in James chapter 5 James is kind of gets stuck on the prophets that we talked about Job and Jeremiah how should we we should look to the prophets as a model of perseverance and suffering now he's like he's like listen Elijah was a man with a nature like ours he prayed earnestly that it would not rain it did not rain on the land for three years and six months and then he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit now you can read that story in the, in the life of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. If you remember, Elijah was a prophet, but he was just a man. He was just a normal person, not superhuman, just really human. And King Ahab was there, his wife Jezebel, and they were pretty evil folks. And they were leading the nation of Israel in apostasy, falling away from the Lord. And God raised up Jeremiah and said, I want you to declare a drought and they declared a drought. This was long before they had bottled water and running water and reverse osmosis water and they could take dirty water, make it clean. It's like there was no rain. Everybody starved because you couldn't have any crops. And Elijah prayed and there was no rain. And then remember it was time for there to be rain. And then we find Elijah praying seven different times. Do you remember he prays like, is there, is there a cloud out there? Nope. He goes back to pray. Cloud out there? Nope. Finally, there's a cloud and it rains. He's saying, Elijah was just like us. But he was able to pray that it wouldn't rain and then it would rain. Now, here's the deal. I want all of you to be like Elijah. I don't mind all the rain we get, but we get a couple days break every once in a while. Like, where's the righteous prayers for like, Lord, just five days of rain. No rain on the weekends. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Isn't that what we have this weekend? Because I've been praying. That's why I've been reading this. No, I'm just kidding. But prayer is powerful. Now, I've shared with you two of the three reminders. The first, we need to pray for healing. Spiritual, physical healing. Second, prayer is powerful. And James ends his letter in a very important place that we need to look at briefly. Look what it says in verse 19, James chapter five. It says, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from error, from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Really what it's saying here is that the final reminder, let no one wander away. And what I think is so beautiful about this is James is writing this to the church. And James's focus right now in this letter is not on evangelism, but on restoration. James's focus is not on redemption, it's on revival. And really what James is saying here is he's saying, listen, 
everybody's life is a journey and everyone is on a different step of their faith journey. And unfortunately, oftentimes people in their journey of faith, they're actually wandering from the truth and they're wander, wandering into harm's way and error. Let me ask you a simple question. Anybody here know somebody who's wandering away right now? Almost everybody. So James is saying, when that happens, the people of God's job is to go after them. And it's so simple. I mean, right now in our culture, we live in a world where deconstruction is the buzzword. I always like to say, you know, for people who are older or struggling with society as it is right now, I'm like, I want to like remind them. I'm like, hey, listen, you were doing the same thing in the 60s. You, you were like, the way this is working is wrong. And now the younger generations come up and like, hey, the way this stuff works isn't the best it could be. And it's not that they're bad or even, I mean, some of them want lawlessness and they want, but, but really people are looking at the world and saying, we could do a better job than this. And so like, we need to change things, right? Now, not all deconstruction is bad either. Some of it is good because some of it is broken and we do need to change stuff. And that's a good thing, right? But when it relates to the church of Jesus Christ, not all deconstruction is healthy. Now, I say not all deconstruction because all of us in different ways have learned, have, have grown spiritually in ways that aren't healthy. Maybe certain things that we learn on deeper study, we're like, yeah, man, that was a little jacked up. Maybe we shouldn't hold that this way, whatever it is. But there is a very strong movement in our culture right now for Christians to wander from the truth because not believing in Jesus is more culturally appropriate than believing in Jesus. And there's lots of people who are Christian right now who actually what they're doing is they're leading people astray. Now, what that means for me, and I think that what it means for you, is that if you believe in Jesus and there is someone that you love that is starting to wander from the truth, your job is to engage with them, to continue to reach out to them, to, to love them, to say, listen, I am here with you. I'm gonna be here no matter what. Because I think what happens for a lot of times is people start wandering from the truth that we just abandon them. And James is saying, oh, no, 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 no. Don't do that. If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns them back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. I think about this in my own journey because when I got saved when, when I was in my early 20s, you know, there's lots of turns in that road of faith. And I am so grateful for godly men and women in my life who had different turns when I'm trying to figure this thing out or that thing out or I'm exploring this thing or I'm learning from this person that people were like, hey, listen, that's a good thing, but you know, you need to make sure you don't lose this in the process. I remember when I started reading big theological books. I'll never forget my pastor, John Henry. I love him so much. He said, oh, Daniel, read everything. He said, but don't ever stop worshiping Jesus as you study. Jesus is Pastor Daniel wrapped up today's message with the reminder that you should stay in there with people who are wandering away from Jesus. As hard as it may be to watch those you care about turn away from their faith, you're called to stick with them and to hem them in. You don't know how your faithful love and gentle reminders of Jesus will impact them over time. 
everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore His people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Well, that's it for this Where the Rubber Meets the Road series in the book of James. It's been packed full of practical insight about how your faith should impact your everyday life. And it's not always been easy to hear. From trials to words to wisdom to favoritism, Pastor Daniel talked about how God wants to transform every aspect of your life so that you can be more like Jesus and share His love and grace with the people around you. This is Street Level Faith. So press on and let God continue to transform you every step of the way. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.